It is, uh, it is really great to be with you this morning and uh, uh, started off this year taking, uh, investing into my daughter, Georgia, and uh, one of the things I felt the Lord placed in my heart is to um, really, really invest time into my own family, uh, invest time into relationships, and because people don't grow themselves. Uh, it takes an investment, and uh, so one of the things I wanted to set this year off is, uh, is investing into relationship, because when you invest into your children, you're investing into your future, and uh, so one of the ways that you can invest into your children, obviously bring them and connect them into the house of the Lord, but I took, I, I took Georgia away on a, uh, on a, on a parent-child bonding camp, well, she's not a child anymore, she's 18, um, but I really encourage you as parents to make time to invest into your children. Take the time, make the investment of words, and make the investment. I mean, time is something you can never get back, and often our, our time is so consumed with other things that we that can take a priority in, in, our, in our life. Uh, but when it comes to our children, invest time, invest words, invest experiences, and uh, so that's one of the things I wanted to make sure I, s I set this year off right for my own self and for my own family because when I start the year off right in my own family it'll bless you guys as well and it's a matter of bringing order into your life and uh, one of the things I want to uh, allow, allow unfold at a later time but uh, I really want to encourage you today to, to, to prioritise make the most important things in your life and put a priority on them invest words, invest time, invest finance into, into, the, into your children and uh, I've really felt the Lord speak to me over this, over this last little while, and uh, especially the scripture I want to bring out to you this morning is uh, something, it's a verse that many, many people would know about it, but I, I'm feeling the Lord speak to me afresh over it. And uh, as we see in the world today, you can see a whole bunch of different power shifts happening in place. People are, you see a whole bunch of Christians, and not just Christians, but a whole bunch of people all getting flustered about what's happening in America, what they think should be happening, what they think God is, and you know, that sort of stuff. And what happens is it can become a big white hearing, and it can take your focus away from the, the actual thing that God wants to do in our life, because we can get so caught up with what's happening out there, but we would neglect the real place where the real kingdom of God is, it's in our heart. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom of God, first and foremost, starts within our heart and should be expanded in our hearts and our personal life first. Let somebody else worry about that. At some point, Jesus Christ will come back and all the kingdoms of the earth shall be handed over to him. The first and foremost is this. Concentrate, let your emphasis, let the focus be on the, the kingdom being developed in our own, in our own internal life and in the, in the spheres of influence around us. What's happening in American politics, it's not your sphere of influence. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what's in your sphere of influence is your, one, your own heart, your thought life, what's happening in your financial world, what's happening in your relational world, what's happening in your household, what's happening in this space. That's the area, that's the metron of influence that we want to, first of all, bring the kingdom of God into. Over that, we expend, extend into our neighborhood. Over that, you extend into the nation. Don't try and get into the nation when you can't take authority over your own bedroom, first of all. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if anyway, I'm going to get into it right now. I'm going to open up in two different scriptures. Uh, this, this particular story is found, in, it's, it's found in three Gospels. It's found in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Different people say it in a different way. Different, uh, the, the, the different writers uh, see the same thing, but they emphasize different parts of it. But nonetheless, it's the same story. And uh, so today I want to kind of open up, uh, I'm going to bring out one out of Matthew and one out of, uh, one out of Luke, the same story, but you'll find that it's, uh, it's, there's different things that are highlighted in there. If, if, um, 
For those of you here today that are, that are new to reading the Bible and to learn, and, and learn how to get something out of the Bible, here's a start. When we read something like this, this is what's called a gospel. In other words, it is an eyewitness, of, eyewitness account of something that they saw. It was an event that took place. People saw it. As you'll see in this story, there's a lot of people that saw it, but there were people that took an account of it. They took a witness. They were witnesses. They saw and heard and experienced what happened. One of the things you'll notice is this. Obviously, the circumstances will be quite different because every story of faith is unique, 100%. But one of the things you'll find also is this, is that although the, the time is different, the, the circumstances are different, the heart of man and, 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 uh, the, and other aspects of it can still be the same. People are still the same back there as they were today. Of course, the finances are different. The whole bunch of things are different. But the core things is the way people think, attitudes, the heart of men, the spirits are still very much alive today. And therefore, when we read such a scripture, don't just read it as such of, oh, that was a story that happened such a long time ago. Jesus, the same spirit, the same faith that was in this place is still in this place today. The question is, it's got to be unique to your life. So what we do is when we read such a story, we put ourselves in the story because every one of us can find ourselves in there. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and say, oh, that's the part of me that I want to speak to me out of that story. Does that make sense? That's just how to open up scripture in a nutshell. Ready? So it talks about in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, 8, and then Jesus getting into a boat, crossed over the sail of Galilee and came to Capernaum, his own city. So this took place in his own city. The place, Jesus traveled around, but this took place in his own, his own town. This is my town. We want something to happen in our own town, not just in another city. We want it here. I want it happening in my own neighborhood. Funny enough, Kate and I, we, we went to this place. We stood in this place. We stood in the place where this miracle happened. And they brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on a stretcher. And in seeing their act of faith, springing from confidence in him, Jesus said to the paralytic, Do not be afraid, son. Your sins are forgiven. The penalty is paid, the guilt removed, and you are declared to be in right standing with God. Oh, I love that. And then some of the scribes said to themselves, this man blasphemes by claiming the rights and prerogatives of God. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven and the penalty paid, or to say, get up and walk. And just in one of the things that you note, this is prior to Christ being crucified on the cross. So already he's stating the the, the, your, your guilt has been removed. So already he's decreeing the finished work of Christ before he's even done it. Anyway. Or get up and walk. Both are possible to God, but both are impossible for man. But so that you will know that the Son of Man, somebody say the Son of Man. The Son of Man has power and authority on earth. The Son of Man has power and authority, or authority and power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. Then he got up and went home, healed and forgiven. And when the crowd saw this, they, they were all struck and glorified God and praised God who had given, listen to this, given such authority and power to men. I love the Passion Translation in Luke. It, say, it talks about, uh, sorry, um, in the Amplified in, verse, in, in the book of Luke, he said, one day as Jesus was teaching, there were, interesting how Luke observed the same crowd, but, but put different aspects out of the very same crowd. He says this, he, he said there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And listen to this, and the power 
of the Lord was with him to heal them. One of the first questions I asked was, who's them? Who's them? Is it the whole crowd or is it specific people that the presence of God was there? And interesting, one of the things that we see is that the, the scripture says the power, the power to heal was in him. It wasn't just out there, it was in a man. I'll get into that shortly. And so when some men carrying him, carrying him on a stretcher, the man who was paralyzed, they tried to get him in, but they couldn't get him because of the crowd. So they climbed up on the roof and removed some tiles and, and lowered him through the roof on a stretcher. And Jesus saw their faith and said, man, your sons are forgiven. Interesting, again, you see the same story, but it's in a, in a, in a, in a different perspective. And then it said, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to consider and question. And the, and the Passion Translation says this, they whispered to themselves, whispered to themselves. The implication of what this man had just said. And then Jesus, knowing their hostile thoughts, answered them, which is easier. And he goes on to say, but in order that you would know, interesting, here again, you see the same line repeated, that the Son of Man, the Messiah, has authority and power on earth to forgive sins. Again, you see that same line. You see there are some things that are different, but you see one line that stands out the most, that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralyzed man, I said, you get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And immediately got up and then they were all astonished and they began glorifying God and they were filled with reverence reverential fear and kept saying, we have seen wonderful and incredible things today. I don't know about you, but when I look at the end, that's an impact that I wanna see. One of the primary goals I wanna see as a result of my life is this, that people would give God glory, that crowds, not just one or two, that crowds would give glory to God, that Jesus would receive the honour and all the glory and all the power. One of the things I want to see in this life, I want to see a well factor in your life. I want to see a well factor in this church. I want everywhere we step our feet to have a well factor. There's got to be a well factor. If there is nothing that is uh, impacting the lives of people about what we do, then there must be something about what we are doing that is not right, that needs to change. One of the things I want to see as I want to see more of a wow factor, because one of the things you'll find is this, that wow factors don't always just come suddenly. In, in this case, it did. But often in our lives, wow factors are, are, are incremental. They take place, they grow, they, 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 they grow from one level to another level. My heart is this, that every one of us in our personal lives, in our families, in our communities, we, live, we act in such a way, the impact is of such a way that crowds of people, that God gets the glory, that our Father gets the glory, and that people's lives are impacted. And one of the things you'll see is that whenever faith is alive, you'll say it always provokes people. A couple of things I want to look at here is uh, interesting. You see some uh, key people, obviously the key people inside of the story. This is how we unpack Scripture. This is one of the things I simply do is this. Who are the key people? Obviously, one of the first people was Jesus. One of the things we know about Jesus, it's easier to look back at the story in hindsight and say, hey, that's Jesus did this. But understand this, we can't look at the story in hindsight. We've got to look at it in the context of where it was today. Jesus at that point was, his ministry had only just started on the face of the earth. In other words, if it was in today's world, 
here's a new preacher or here's a new teacher that's just emerged on the world. Nobody really knows. I mean, some people know about him, but he's somebody new on the crowd. He's somebody new on the scene. Nobody knew at that point that he was the Messiah. Nobody knew. And in fact, Jesus didn't even say he was the Messiah. As far as everyone else was concerned, he was a new preacher. He was a new teacher. He was a, a new ministry on the scene. And, that peop- and, and, and obviously there was a buzz around him. There were some miracles happening. There was some, his teaching was revelational. But essentially, he was still, uh, he was still a young preacher. Uh, one of the things we also see, there was a crowd. Now I can tell you now, there's always a crowd. When something's happening, there is always a crowd. Even when you look here, there's a crowd. The crowd and interesting, when you look at the crowd, you'll find that the crowd is made up of a, of a few bunches of people. And when we talk about a crowd in today's world, there's a crowd here. But there's also a crowd online now can be a crowd. So today we still have crowds. But interesting, the people in that crowd, one of the first things that, Matt, that, that, uh, that Luke brings out is that there's a whole bunch of people that they were Pharisees. They were people that were, they knew the Scriptures. They, they were there, not because they wanted to learn. They were there and they were sitting with a critical eye. The reason why they were sitting with a critical eye was Jesus had the same fruit, they had the fruit upon his life that they wanted but didn't have. <laughs> there was a whole bunch of people there. They were very well versed in Scripture. They knew the Torah, they knew the prophets, they knew, they had a whole bunch of good Bible stuff up there. They had a whole bunch of good knowledge that they thought everyone else needed. You'll find that crowds today are no different. People come, I mean, I, I, interesting, I, I talked to a guy the other day who I met on camp, and he came to this church, and he told me the reason he came to this church years ago was basically to take the mickey out of what we were doing because the place, the place was full of the power of God. And he told me, I came to your church not, just, not out of interest or not out of hunger, but I came to the church actually just to, to make a mockery of you. <laughs> the guy's now a pastor. <laughs> but he came from a background, he came from a religious background who pride themselves on knowledge of the Word, knowledge of Scripture, but when the things of the Spirit came, when the, things of, uh, when the Holy Spirit was coming, he was, they were there not just not at a hunger for the things of God, not at a hunger to change, but actually they came just to be critical. You know what, there's going to be people that come here, there may be even people here right now, actually you're here just to be critical. You can watch and observe. But there were other people that came into the house as well. There were other people there. There were people there that were generally hungry. There were people there that wanted to learn. There were people there that were, that were hungry to learn. They were hungry to experience something new and fresh. They were, genuine. they were there for the right reasons. Other people there that were disciples. The, the, the fact is that there were people there that must have come because somebody invited them. Somebody said, hey, I heard about Jesus. This guy prophesied over me. This guy told me things about my life. This guy prayed for me. And I got healed. You need to come. He's going to be preaching this Sunday at this particular house. You need to come. And so that's why they came. And you'll find that other people there that were disciples, that were followers of Jesus Christ. And you'll find that this scenario is no different from where we are today. There'll be people watching online that are critical he said this wrong, he said that wrong, he's listening for a critical ear. There'll be other people there, that be, they came out of hunger, they came because they were searching. There were some people there that they were followers of Christ. Crowds today are no different. 
One of the things that we notice is this. This takes place where? Not in the church. It takes place in somebody's house. So one of the things that we can see is uh, the story of, of this miracle that takes place is set in somebody's house. So miracles, one, are not just for the house of God. Miracles are not just to be done in this, in, the, in this sanctuary. God wants to move in your house. God wants to move in your house. God wants to move in your circumstance. God wants to move in your neighborhood. Not just here. The story, one of the reasons the story is here in this particular place is for an example to say, miracles are here for your home. Miracles, Jesus wants to do miracles in your home. Jesus wants to use your house as a place of breakthrough. Jesus wants to use your house of residence, your house as a place where people's lives are transformed. That's the whole goal of church is to equip you so that you can be people that can carry the presence of God. I'm gonna open this up a little bit more. It's interesting. So the other thing that we see was this. There was four men. The Bible clearly illustrates uh, the, um, there was four men. The book of Mark says it was four, but the other two, other two passages say it was some men. But Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark specifically says it's four men. So who are the four men? They were, I believe, um, and, and of course the last one was the paralyzed man. So you had Jesus, the crowd, the four men, and the paralyzed man. And one of the things you'll find is we can all be any one of those people. We can be people that sit in the crowd and, and come and experience and, and be spectators. We can be here critical. But one of the things we also find is we can also be the man who was paralyzed, the man who was crippled. One of the things we find is every one of us find ourselves in that place. Every one of us finds ourselves in a place where we are crippled. When somebody's paralyzed, there is a disconnect. Mostly it's a disconnect in the spine that, that between the head and, and, and the rest of the body. For this man, there was a disconnect in his life and that disconnect brought powerlessness into him. All of us find ourselves somewhere in a place of powerlessness. First and foremost, it's a result of sin, man's sin. So there's a spiritual powerlessness in, in our lives without Christ. Without Christ, people are spiritually powerless. They're dead. Some people are powerless in their marriage. Some people are, are powerless over their finances. Some people are powerless relationally. Some see people are powerless emotionally. Everywhere you look, you find that people are powerless in, in, in some degree or another. Even Christians can be powerless. How can you tell a powerless Christian? Well, some people are, they've just come to church, they're so what would be a cultural Christian. Yeah, doing it for the kids. Yeah, do the right thing, follow Jesus, come to church, do, doing it for the children. But actually there's no spiritual power in their life. And I want to tell you right now, there's a spiritual conflict for the hearts and lives of our children. It's one of the reasons I took my daughter away because I want to make sure, I want to invest spiritual authority over, in, into and over her life and help her come to a place where she has a growing spiritual authority and power in her life. That's why I invested the time and, and, and words into her. Many people can get spirit, paralyzed spiritually. And, when G, and, and what Jesus wants to do is bring us into a place of power and authority. And that's where you see a lot of people that try and get their power by prophesying this over what's going to happen in this government. Look, forget about all that. Forget about all that. Focus on the part of your life that it's broken and stop trying to look out there. Get the power back into your own life again. 
So one of the things we see is the four men. Interesting, one of the things is this, is that they carried their man. This is, a, I believe, a description of what the church is called to be. The church is, I believe, to a large degree, the church is not called just to be a crowd. The church is called to be like the four men. I, I won't unpack that too much for you. But one of the things we see about the four men was this, was that they carried their friend, that they carried their man. At somewhere, at some point, somebody in that, four, in that group of people said, I know a man, I know a place, I know some, how about we just get up and start walking together? Some, there must have been a conversation that took place somewhere. It wasn't one man that tried to drag their friend along. No, it was a whole body of people. And that man, that broken man, was dependent upon the four men to get them there. One of the things that you'll find is this. That is why God put us in a family. Because sometimes we get to the point we are, are broken. There's a parts of our life that are paralyzed. And we need the body of Christ to be able to carry us. That's why online church is not, it, it, it's a convenient thing. But it's not, the, it's not the whole thing. Those people aren't lying, aren't gonna turn up on your doorstep and come and pray for you. They're not gonna get out and carry your fridge. They're not gonna help you shift house. They're not gonna sit there. No, 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 no. You'll pay a subscription online so you can feed off their stuff. But actually God designed family that would be face to face. That we would carry, the whole thing about caring, it's about serving. See, in, this, in the house, you had a whole bunch of good people. You had critics, good people, disciples of Christ. Over here, we have four men carrying their friend. That's servanthood. One of the things about servanthood is this. It takes sacrifice and takes commitment. I saw a, a blog online the other day, and somebody was talking about, um, oh, you can be all that you can be. Be great and fulfill all your wildest dreams. Don't just... You don't need to serve here and serve there. Actually, no, no, no. Service is the kingdom of God. If you don't understand the serv- if you don't understand serving, you don't understand the kingdom. Jesus came to serve. So it's not about just serving here and there. Jesus came to serve. Even the resurrected Messiah, the resurrected Jesus, the first thing he did was serve his people. So never underestimate serving. If somebody ever bags serving, you can tell right now that I don't understand the kingdom. They may talk kingdom, they may talk awesomeness, but they don't understand it. To understand kingdom, you understand service. You understand covenant community. If you don't understand the covenant connection of church, you don't understand kingdom. Speaking a bit strong, but it's all good. One of the things about these four men was this. They were committed to relationship. They were committed to relationship. They carried their man. One of the things you'll find is this. Commitment builds strength inside of your life. Commitment builds strength. Relational commitment builds strength. One of the reasons why many people don't have the, don't have the spiritual strength and authority is because they're too, uh, what's the word? Too casual in their relationship. Too casual in the relationship with church. That is why one of the biggest traps is online church is that we can be casual. When you're face to face, when you're with somebody, when you're hand in hand, when you're in a body, it causes you to be, it it, it causes us to face relational challenges because I can tell you right now, that journey from where that man was to where he became healed was obviously not a clean journey. (laughs) People would have got tired on that journey. 
If that was in today's world, I can guarantee you, people probably would have just said, why don't you just watch online? Some people will have a, I don't know if you've ever carried something, but it's kind of like, I've carried some things before, and it's, I'm not quite sure whether I'm carrying so much weight. I kind of look like I'm carrying weight, but actually, not carrying weight at all, actually. Everyone else is carrying the weight, but walking along and... <laughs> You know, I kind of got a hand on the thing and kind of looked like I'm carrying weight. <laughs> Look like I'm serving. Not carrying any weight. Or carrying some weight, I'm running a cell group and kind of was okay for the first two weeks. Then on the third week, oh, it's kind of getting a bit heavy now kind of feeling the call of God to be a singer up here. <laughs> you guys will be alright, I'll, I'll, I'll... It's okay to, I've got my hand on it, but oh look, God's doing something over there. You guys will be alright here, I'll just <laughs> go to this church. stub my toe, I can't hold this thing anymore. <laughs> Walking along, it's like, oh, yeah, you said something that offended me, man, I just, you just carry it yourself then. <laughs> commitment. Relational commitment builds strength inside of your life. There are people here today, maybe it's been your marriage has been the one that's been paralyzed, but you're stuck with it. You stuck with it, you didn't quit, you didn't run away, you didn't say, oh, God's calling me. No, 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 you, you stuck with it. You hung on there, you just didn't let go. In the midst of that, when you felt like walking away, when you felt like quitting, when you felt like just taking off to another church, no, you stuck with it, you kept, kept carrying on. But you find there was a strength started to build inside of your life. The reason why some people don't have strong spiritual strength is because they let go of relational commitments too quick. I'm going to keep carrying today. <laughs> I'm going to keep carrying. I'm going to keep carrying the responsibility. It's my, it's my brother. He's my, he might be broken. He might be a bit crippled. He might have a bit of a mouth on him, but you know, I'm going to still carry him. Yeah. Yeah, he's broken. and I'm not going to just leave him there because he's broken. I'm going to carry him because he's broken. That's why we have church. We have church because we have broken people. So that's the thing. With this. That's why the church is both the paralyzed man, but it's also the four men. It's not the crowd. It's the, the internet's the crowd, but it's the, uh, the online church can be the crowd, but it's the church. The actual covenant church is the four men and the broken, because all of us have a broken body and we need to lean on the church somewhere. We need to lean on our friends. We need to lean on our covenant relationship. I need to allow my brokenness to be handled by people that, are, that love me and care for me and committed to me. Serving builds strength. Commitment builds strength. You can say you're committed, but all of a sudden you've got a good idea over here and all of a sudden. No, commitment. Commitment is something that builds strength inside of your life. Tell anyone that goes to the gym, try a couple of times at the gym, I'm not stronger anymore. No, 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 no. You need to commit yourself. 
Commitment, that's why we encourage people. That's why some of the leaders can be on to you. Come on, are you coming? Are you gonna turn up sometime? Are you gonna turn up? Oh, I'm not feeling well. I've got a, oh, I've got a sore cold. Or, oh, I went to the 660 concert yesterday and I'm kind of a bit tired. And, and I need to just stay home this morning because I got home at oh, 11 o'clock. And, no, no. I could have been out in a super yacht yesterday cruising, watching America's Cup. I made the commitment to be here, to be with you. I didn't make the decision to drive home in the middle of the night so I can have both hands, because otherwise I'd get here and I'd be tired. Absolutely not. No, I come back, I forget that commitment, I leave that commitment on the shelf for another day. I'll take the early ride home, make sure I'm fresh and be with you this morning. That's commitment. So we're all, at this point, we're all emotionally, physically, or spiritually sick at some point. Interesting, the Bible says that the miracle wasn't released just by being there. Interesting, Jesus, the Scripture says the power to heal them was in a man. It was in a man. It was in a man. So many people say, oh, Jesus will heal me. But actually, no, Jesus, interesting, the way he introduces himself, and this, I'll open this up another day for you, but it is quite provocative because he says, he refers to himself most of the time through scripture. The way that Jesus reveals himself, or talks about or refers to himself is by using the phrase, the son of man. He's also known as the son of God, but most of the time he refers to himself as the son of man. Why does he do that? It's because of this. He was, he was, he was God made flesh, but he was flesh. He was a man. He was a human being. He came, he was born of a woman. He was, he was, he was conceived of the spirit, but he was a man in every way that you want. You know what I'm talking about. He was a human being in every way that you were not, that I know, but yet he was formed, of, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So he was fully God, but yet fully man. But at this particular point, he was referring to himself as the son of man. It's about 60 or 70 times throughout scripture, he refers to himself. The reason he is saying this is this, is because he wants to communicate his humanity to people. Why does that? What, what, interesting. And interesting the words that are used here. He says, the power was in a man, so the power source was the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, the power was in a man. One of the things I find is this. It's easy to write off people's humanity and, see, and not see the grace that's upon a person's life. The, the power for your healing, it's all very well, yeah, God will heal me. Yes, he will. The Holy Spirit will do his healing work. Yes, but he often does it. Most of the time, he does it through a man or he does it through a person. So if you write off the man or the write off the woman, you can also write off your miracle at the same time. Who knows that the person that God has placed in your life, even, I mean, Jesus was without fault, but most of us have faults in our life and we often can't see through those faults or we become judgmental and often cannot see actually the miracle that we've been waiting for could be lying in the heart of that person. So, it's a, it's a, so when you look with a critical eye, like the scripture said, you can see that the, the power of God to heal was there, but no one was getting healed. Scripture, scripture clearly says the power was there, but where was the healing? No one was getting healed. Power of was, was in Christ, but, but no one was getting healing. 
people were there, people were present, the, the critical people, the people that were interested, even some followers of Christ, they were all there, but there was no power flowing. Where was the power? Why was the power not flowing? Why did we not see it? These are all questions that bubbled through my mind anyway. If he was there, he was teaching, but no power flow. Where was it? What did it take for the power to flow? What will it take for the transformation to take place? What will it take? Maybe you're here today and your, your, your finances are in a place of powerlessness. You're, you're in a whole pile of debt. You've got no power. I can tell you right now, you can pray and all you like and worship the Lord all you like for Him to come and heal you. But actually the power will be having a conversation and opening your heart and making some steps. I can tell you right now, there is people got power here that, to bring, help you bring, get freedom inside of your life. It's the Holy Spirit, but it works through people. It works through people. Jesus was a humble man who came to serve. Interesting this. He had authority because he learned to walk under authority. You look at, this, you look at the, the phrases that were brought out. The people recognised, one, that they, the people recognised in Matthew chapter 9, who had given such authority and power to men. They recognised that it was a man that was walking with power and authority. One, the power and authority to, to one, to forgive sins, but also to bring healing into people's lives. Physical healing. Jesus also said the same thing. That you would know that the Son of Man, in other words, in my humanity, there is a power and there is authority invested in me to bring freedom and liberty into people's lives. He grew in authority because he was under the authority of a natural man. It's easy to say, well, look at Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. And he, was, he was under, I'm just accountable to Jesus. No, 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 no. Even Jesus was accountable to a man. Jesus was accountable to his, father, his, his natural father. When his father gave a direction, he was accountable to him. He, he followed him, but he was under his authority. His, his, I think it was his cousin, John the Baptist. He was under, under his authority as well. And he grew in authority because he was under authority. It's all very well to say, oh, I'm just under the authority of Jesus. No, 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 no. There's, there's a cop out. Actually, all of us have got to be accountable to somebody. One of the questions I've, I often put under my, uh, over my life is this. Uh, who am I accountable to? All of us have got to have somebody that we are, under, that we are accountable to that we can report to. We've got to be under authority. When you're under authority, you'll find that you can have authority in your life. The reason why many people don't have authority or power inside of their life is they're simply accountable to nobody. They do their own thing when they want, how they want, and answerable to nobody. Oh, of course, Jesus. It's a cop-out, actually. You'll find that if you have that mentality, you'll find that you won't experience the authority that, that, that God has designed for your life. He also grew in power. He grew in power through prayer and fasting. This story took place after a season of, of prayer and fasting in the desert. So if we want to come into authority, one, we've got to place ourselves under authority. If you want to gain authority into your finances, if you want to gain authority in your marriage, you want to gain authority in your internal life, you've got to be accountable to somebody. If you, if you stay a wild card, just do your stuff online and do stuff out there, you'll find that you, you may get a few likes and a few, a few friends, but all you have is a crowd. You actually won't have authority inside of your own life. And one of the things that shocked me, this, it, this, it shocked me to a large degree was this, was the authority 
and the power that you and I as, as sons of men, as, as, as people, are called to carry in this earth. The authority and the power that you and I are called to carry. So why aren't we carrying it? Why aren't I carrying it? What do I need to adjust? What is paralyzed in my life? What is disconnected in my life that needs to be healed, that needs to be restored, though I walk in greater authority in my life? Are you with me this morning? Because we can either be this. We can either be the people in the house that are either critical, enjoying the teaching, happening in the house, watching online, but seeing no power change in our life. Or we can be the people that are committed to relationship, committed to serve, demonstrating our faith, faith that is seen, and that power is activated in our life. You and I are called also to be Christ-like. We're not called just to be the four men or the, or the paralyzed man. We are called to walk in the dimension of power and authority that Jesus walked in. He was human. He was, came as a man. His flesh walked amongst us. Changed the world. But this kingdom is a different kingdom. It's not about politics. It's about kingdom of the heart. You and I have the power to bring transformational change through generations, the transformation of people's hearts. First thing he spoke was, son, your sins are forgiven. That line alone, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Imagine the freedom that brought in his family line. Imagine the change, the family change that must have happened in his life as a result of that. What about the capacity to stand and stand up and walk again? What transformational change would have that had in his life? Politics got nothing to do with it. But the generational change that takes place when somebody starts to take authority over their, in their life. The generational, the long-term change that takes place when somebody says, I'm gonna carry you. This, the, the long-term change, the transformation that takes place when you say, I'm committed to relationship, I'm committed to serving. The long-term change when we start to walk in the power and the authority that God has for us. I can tell you right now, when you start to take authority, when you start that same authority that Jesus walked in, it is available for us right now. He was man, He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was under authority, but He walked in power. That is available for us. The question will be, one, will we be willing to allow somebody to shape our life? Will we be willing to lay down our life and pray and to fast and and be committed to being a people of prayer and fasting? When we walk in that dimension, I can assure you this, we will grow eventually, incrementally into a place where things will start to shift over our generations. Things will start to shift in your life. Things will shift in your marriage. Things will shift in your finances. Things will shift that will cause people to say, to God be the glory. Not just one or two, but to crowds, to God be the glory. I was a broken mess. I was a broken mess. I, was a, I couldn't even make my bed. I was just a broken man. But pastor, I responded to His Word and I just made a decision just to start taking authority over my personal life. I just started by making my bed. I just started by just managing to, to get a grip of my emotions. I started to just start to take authority over my internal life, my imagination. In other words, I'm not, I've just stopped making, letting my imagination run wild. I've started to take authority over what I watch and what I listen to. 
I've started to take authority over my finances as opposed to just letting them run wild. I've got a handle on debt now. I'm just not gonna, I'm gonna stop ignoring bank statements. I'm gonna start to look at my finances and put a hand on it and by faith start to make some positive steps. You're not gonna change the world if you can't, if you can't take the authority over this part of your life. Where in your life are you experiencing powerlessness? Where in your life today do you wanna grow? Where in your life do you need to take authority over? Where in your life are you experiencing powerless? Where in your life do you need to start to dig a hole? You've got to climb up on that roof somewhere. It wasn't just a, here you go. You've got to climb and there's a weight to climb. So close, but sometimes you've just got to make an effort to get yourself up from here and get your, get your marriage off the ground and up onto the roof and dig. That takes effort. Choose your heart today. Sure, it's gonna be hard being powerlessness, but it's gonna be harder remaining powerless. It's gonna be hard to get your marriage into order. It's gonna be hard to get your finances into order. It's gonna be hard to get your prayer life. It's gonna be hard to get your time. It's gonna be hard to get your life into order, but the pain of not doing it. Make a decision this year. I'm gonna start somewhere. I'm gonna start just in prayer. I'm gonna start being accountable to somebody. I'm gonna start taking authority over the things. I am gonna start somewhere and I'm gonna grow in authority, I'm gonna grow in power. Just start somewhere. This is what I'm believing for, that crowds and nations would give glory and praise God. Two, I'm believing this, that His sons, that's you and I, would walk in such power and authority if we could only get that revelation of the power and the authority that you and I are called to walk in. God gave the earth to man to have dominion over, not the other way around. Start with your bedroom. Start with a haircut. Start with a shave. Start somewhere. Start by saving. Just start somewhere. <laughs> Just start somewhere. For some of you, it could be alcohol. Alcohol's got an authority over you. How about this year? You make a decision, no more. I'm not gonna let that thing cripple me all the time. I'm not gonna let alcohol cripple my marriage. I'm not gonna let alcohol cripple my soul. I'm not gonna let it happen. I'm not gonna let it cripple my destiny. That's it, you're done. <laughs> Money. I'm not gonna let it, I'm not gonna let debt cripple me. I am the head and not the tail. I have power over it. It does not have power over me. What about your internal life? Uncommitted. Blowing like the wind. No. This, I am not gonna continue to be blown around this year. I'm gonna stay committed. I'm gonna commit myself fully and 100%. I'm gonna carry my friend. I'm gonna be carry, I'm gonna be committed to serving. I'm gonna be committed to relationship. I'm not gonna just take off on a hike when things don't go so well. I'm here to stay. You can guarantee through thick or thin, I will be here. Maybe you're just, you just wander too quickly. Make a decision today. I'm gonna stick it out. I'm gonna come to church, not just once every two weeks. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna make a decision to be committed to relationship. That's where strength will, you'll, you'll grow in strength. Where in your life do you need to grow in authority and power? For me, 
there'll be other parts of my life. I'm going to grow in, I want to grow in power. I want to see more miracles. I want to see more miracles. I want to see more transformational changes. There are a whole bunch of areas I want to see a wow in. But one of the things I want to commit to personally is more prayer and more fasting. Why? Because we need power shifts in our life. I want to see people, I want to see people come into a new place of freedom. I want to see, yeah, anyway, we'll get into that another day. Whatever this looks like, I want to see physical healings. I want to see marriages and relationships restored. I want to see business and finance start to be in their proper place, but see you prosper. Yes! I don't want to be, I want to have dominion over these things that have tormented me. There's addictions, I'm going to get a handle on it. I'm going to become accountable to somebody. What's going on in my thought life? What's going on in my imagination? What's going on inside of my heart? That's it, no more. It's ruled me for too long. No, no, I'm going to speak to somebody. I'm going to hold myself accountable to somebody. I'm going to get authority over this. I'm going to master that. Why? Because I know God's going to use it to bring freedom into other people. Wow, you've changed. I got rid of that pornography. I got rid of that addiction. My marriage has changed because I've got dominion over those unclean things that I've got inside of me. I'm going to get rid of that rejection that's dominated me too much. It's kept me in a box. It's kept me small. Take authority over it. Start somewhere and be committed to walking it through. And I can't guarantee you'll get there. Father, I thank You for Your people today. Thank You for Your sons and Your daughters here today, Father. Lord, we acknowledge that there's a place in all of our lives that is crippled, that is powerlessness, that is powerless. I pray that today, Heavenly Father, Your Holy Spirit would come. Thank You for even for Your presence right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would move in our hearts today. We welcome Your ministry. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that when people here are experiencing powerlessness in a part of their life, Lord, that You would give them the the tenacity and the courage, that You would give them the spirit of faith that would cause them to arise, start to take authority. I thank You, Jesus, for the victory that You won on the cross. That we need not carry shame of this anymore. That we need not walk in defeat. For Jesus, You have paid the price. The penalty has been paid already. The price has been paid already. Today, Jesus, we lean into You for a victory. We lean into You for victory over addiction. We lean into You for addiction, for, for freedom over pornography. We lean into You for, for freedom and authority over debt. We lean into You today. I pray today that faith would arise in the hearts of Your people in Jesus' Name. Come on, you just stand at Your feet right now. Stand up with Your feet. Just lift Your hands. We're finishing right now. You may even want to acknowledge to the Lord. Yeah, Lord, there's a place in my life right now I know that I need to take authority over. I know that I can hear your voice speaking. Why don't you respond? Just lift your hands to me. You don't need to come forward because it's a decision that you will make. Jesus, we honour you today. Come on, let's worship Him this morning. Come on, let's worship Him. Come on.
challenge for you this morning. One of the big things that you see, one of the words that you see repeated in that scripture is men. 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 Men, I want to encourage you today. You need to rise up in prayer. You need to rise up in prayer. Let this be a season, men. Let this be a year, men, where you start to take rightful authority, spiritual authority in your home, in your marriage, over your children. There are some men today you are allowing unclean spirits to try and rob your children and you're letting it happen. Men, stand up in prayer. Stand up in authority. You don't have to be a tyrant. It's not about being a tyrant, but it's about being gentle, but being firm in the Spirit. Start to pray, men, fathers, start to pray. This is a season, start to pray for your family. Start to stand in the gap for your your kids, for your daughters. Men, stand and pray. I wanna see you praying and fasting. One of the reasons we have so much destruction in the world today is because men fail to take responsibility, fail to take spiritual authority in their own home. I challenge you men today, start to pray. Start to take finance, start to take authority over finances. Start to take authority in prayer. Start to rise in authority. Not being a tyrant, but being gentle and humble about it. Men, I wanna see you grow. I'm committed to you men to grow this year. We're gonna grow. We're gonna see you grow in authority. I bless you today in Jesus' name. I bless your people, Father. I bless every home here today. I bless every man, woman and child. I pray today that your power would move strongly through them. I pray that faith would be strong and alive in their hearts today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on with authority. All God's people.